Let's pray together. God, we want to open your word today and allow it to challenge us to be better followers of you. We want you to speak through what your word has to say so that our character can be molded and made into what you would have it to be. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin today with a little test. It's time for school to start, so why not have a test, right? And this is very scientific. This test is going to determine whether you're a control freak. This was developed by, well, I could say it was developed by a team of scientists, but it's really just five questions I came up with, okay? So <laughs> if you get three right, I mean, if you get yeah, answer yes to three of them, then okay. Here we go. First question. Do you literally want to be in the driver's seat? Like if you're in the car, you want to be the one driving, okay? You don't trust your spouse, children, parents, whoever might be in the car with you, you want to be the one in the driver's seat, okay? Keep track, knows how many you say yes to. Number two, do you want to hold the remote if you and other people are in the room watching? There are people laughing, there are people shaking right now, okay? I don't know if it's about themselves or someone else. Okay. Do you want to be the one to keep the checkbook in your family? Okay. You, you, I mean, like, you want to know how much is in the bank all the time. I'm not saying you don't trust someone else who might do that, but it's just important for you to keep track of all that, okay? Do you want to be the one to go to the grocery store? Because then you know what's going to be in the pantry, right? And in the refrigerator, you know what there is to eat. Do you choose which tires go on the car? That's like real important to some people, okay? Right? So if you got at least three of those right, I'm sure that this scientifically proves that you are a control freak. I qualify, okay? Let's just say that. You know, our our culture sort sort of admires and rewards people who like to be in control. Okay? I mean, we, we look at people who walk into a room and take control of that room, and we say, you know, that's a, that's a leader, right? I mean, that's somebody who's in charge. They, it's not necessarily that they want to take over, but they want to lead whatever's happening in the room. They naturally do that. And we make people like that executives. We put them in positions. We reward that kind of character and that kind of behavior. It's just sort of a natural thing. And and maybe we even look up to people like that. And sometimes we forget people who are not like that. I think it's easy for us to do. We like people who plan We like people who have things in mind that they want to accomplish and then they take people and they organize it and they lead them through whatever that kind of change may be. Now, as I say all that, maybe you're waiting for the the other shoe to drop, right? Maybe you're waiting for me to say that's all wrong. And in one way, we think, well, that would be really illogical because, because that's sort of what our culture's built on, is rewarding people who are in a little bit of a way control freaks, who want to be in control if they are in the room. But there are some drawbacks. And today we continue in the series that we're calling Talk is Cheap, and we're going to talk about that. We're studying the book of James, and many of you have taken the booklets, or maybe you're reading in your own Bible, and and you're going through the book of James, and, and hopefully getting through the book of James maybe more than once, maybe several times, because it's not that long. 
It's just filled with all this practical wisdom. And James is trying to show us, you know, it's really important to have faith in Jesus Christ. It's really important to trust Jesus with our eternal salvation and with running this life. But it is also really important to take that faith and trust and put it into action. Because it's not just a mind game. It's not just something we talk about. It's something that we do, that we allow to become part of every day. And appreciate Zach continuing in the series last week, and, and we had a great time away, and I'm really glad to be back with you today and have the opportunity to speak again from the book of James and allow James to, to set the agenda for what we're talking about for much of this summer. But today in chapter 4, what we find James talking about is how do we as followers of Jesus understand the future? How do we understand our relationship with what is yet to be and how we look to that and how we plan for that and how we prepare for that? And maybe how we try to take control of that. And so we hear James talking about those things and it picks up in verse 13. This is what James has to say. James 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. He says, okay, wake up. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're somebody who likes to do business, if you've got a plan for yourself, the people around you, the business that you're in, if you're that kind of person, wake up because I'm ready to talk to you. And in some ways, we sort of expect James to say, good for you. Like, like you've got a plan. Like you're ready to invest yourself, your time, your money, your leadership capacity. You're ready to put that to work and you're going to accomplish something. Kudos to you. That's awesome. That's what our culture would say. That's what James's culture would say. Remember, he's living in the Roman Empire. If any culture in the history of the world up till then, and maybe even since then, knew what it was like to be in control, it was the Romans. They valued that as much or more than we do. And so James is speaking into a culture that would think the same thing we do. Well, these are the kind of people we want to be around. These are entrepreneurs. These are innovators. These are people who have a plan for their lives and for everything they're involved with. But he doesn't continue with what we might expect. He comes down on what might be called the wrong side of the culture, both in the first century and in the 21st century. He says, all that stuff you've got planned, verse 14 Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You know, you've got plans, but you forget. You're not nearly as in control as you think you are. You don't have things as planned out as care. Well, maybe you've got a plan, but the plan may not work like you expect it to work. Even with your best effort, even with your diligent preparation, things may not always go like you expect them to go. In fact, he compares us to like a vapor, a fog. Like you wake up and you look out and there's, there's this thin fog on everything you see. And how long does it last? Well, as soon as the sun comes out, 
It's usually gone. James says, that's you. That's your life. And that's a little disconcerting, isn't it? That's not really what we want to hear. We want to feel permanent. We want to feel like there's some weight, that that our lives matter, that they're important. And, And certainly we see in other places in Scripture that they do matter. God created us. He made us to live this life. But James is making the point, as much as you may have a plan for the future, Sometimes things can go away so quickly. And not just life ending, but but the things we expect to happen. The things that sometimes we think are permanent are not so permanent. Now, we're fooled into thinking things are sort of the way they're going to be, right? I mean, we have long stretches of life where, where it feels like we can plan and things just roll. Like everything's in motion. Things are pretty much the same, like we haven't had some major catastrophe, nothing upsets the balance, and and it's just like we're coasting through. But it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to change all that. A trip to the doctor, right? A, A sudden injury to someone that we love. Some kind of financial problem that we weren't expecting and maybe didn't prepare for, and suddenly all the plans that we have are just, we recognize, not going to come to fruition. A relationship that, that falls apart in a way that we never saw coming. And suddenly everything that we were building to, all this stuff that we had planned, all that seemed so permanent is gone. And now what? It's, it's like a vapor. We thought it was there to stay. And a little heat and light. And all that we thought we had in motion is gone. So I don't see James condemning plans. I don't see him condemning people who lead. I see James reminding us that our control is not as complete as we would like it to be. You know, we just don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know and we can't control everything that's going to happen the rest of this day or this week or this month. Think about it this way. September 10th, 2001. The most important story in the news on September 10th 2001 was this. Will Michael Jordan come out of retirement? That was the headline. Maybe you're still worried about that. I don't know, okay? (laughs) September 11th, none of us were worried about that. Nobody cared about that. Because we didn't know what was coming. We couldn't have planned for that. We, none of us had knowledge of that. Suddenly we were thrust into a world that we never expected to live in. And we were hearing about organizations and people that most of us had never heard of and suddenly had a powerful impact on our lives and how we understood ourselves and our country. The world changed and we didn't expect it. That's what James is talking about. We're a vapor. 
Verse 15, he gives us a contrast. He says, instead, instead of all your plans where you think you're in control, instead, you ought to say this. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So it's not so much, I've got this plan, I'm going to go such and such a place, I'm going to make money, and I'm going to do business. Rather, James says, what we need to do is say, if this is God's will, I mean, if it's God's will for me to wake up tomorrow morning, guess what? I'm going to wake up. Okay? If it's God's will for us to live through the rest of this worship service, we're going to do it. If it's God's will for us to to reach people in the name of Jesus this week and bring them into faith as a part of this community of faith, if that's God's will, it's going to happen. But if it's not, even though we may have great plans, even though we may have prepared diligently, even though we may think we are in control, guess what? We're not. We're not. And I think for a lot of us, we don't really like that, do we? We like at least the illusion that we are in control, that we've got this down, that we know what to expect. And this year is going to be like last year. And we can put everything in motion and make things happen. Now, I don't know that we sort of need to take James's instruction and, and take this legalistically. So every single time we pronounce a plan, every time we sit down in a meeting and think through what's next, we have to say, if God wills, it's not a bad practice. It's nothing wrong with it. But I think the idea is to change our mindset. To recognize, okay, I am not in control. It is not all up to me. And yes, we can prepare, and yes, we can plan, and we should do all of those things, but ultimately, it's God. It's up to God. And we have to depend on Him. And we have to follow Him. Because what I want is not nearly as important, and in fact, it is not important at all compared to what God has planned. Verse 16. As it is, James says, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. When you think you're in control, you're in trouble. You are not in control. And you are elevating yourself to a place that you should not do. That's what he's telling them. That's what he's telling us. When we decide it is not dependent on God, when we decide we are in control, that's an act of arrogance, and we need to eliminate that. We need to repent of that. And so the message for us is, know who is in control. Know who's in control. And it's not me. And it's not you. Now, again, part of us and we don't like that. We like life to work this way. If I do A, then B will happen, right? If, if I do this every single time, this is going to be the result. 
It simplifies life. We can depend on that, right? If I go out to the garage and turn the key in the ignition of my car, what do I expect to happen? I want to turn on. I want the motor to fire up. I want to be able to travel. Not just some of the time, right? Not just occasionally. I want that to happen every single time. Okay? We want all of life to work that way. If I push this button, this will happen every single time. If I invest money, I want to make money every single time. That's how we want life to work. But you know as well as I know, it doesn't always happen that way, does it? That's not real life. Life may generally work that if I do A, then B happens. But it's not always that way because I'm not in control. I have to acknowledge who is in control, and it's God. And so, rather than saying, okay, well, God's in control, so I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to sit back and coast, and God can just do whatever God wants to do, and, and I'll just leave it all to him. I don't think that's what James is instructing here. In fact, I think if you read the rest of the book, what you find is that we have some expectations laid on us. We have some responsibilities that are part of life. So that's not his point. But the point is, we need to mold our plans, our preparation. We need to take all of that, and it needs to be molded to what God wants. Now, I think when we begin to talk about that, it begins to feel a little mystical. Like, okay, now we've got to figure out what God's will is, and, and that becomes sort of fuzzy. How do I know the will of God? Okay? That's a question people ask me a good bit. How do I know what God's will is? And it seems like, well, we just have to sort of like divine that, right? Well, there are times when I think it is a little bit of a struggle. But I also think we get a good bit of help in that on script, help on that in Scripture. And I think there's two simple things that we can do to seek this out and then to mold our plans to what God wants instead of assuming that God's going to always, want to, always do what I want Him to do. Press A, get B. And they're sort of simple. In fact, they seem so simple that it's like it's almost... Too simple, too basic, and yet I think it's true. The first thing is we got to seek out what God says, right? And you know the way we do that? We got to read this book. I mean, God lays out a lot of what His will is right here. Sometimes we want to say God's will is so mystical, I just don't know how I can ever find out God's will. Well, have you looked? Okay? It seems like a simple thing, but people forget the first step, which is maybe God's already dealt with that. And so we need to study. And you know, that's why we're, we're sort of studying through the book of James this summer. We did that last summer with, with the book of Mark, and it's important for us to, to actually let God's word set the agenda to show us what God's will is. I mean, I think that's one of the ways that we learn the truths of what God wants in place in our lives. And so we've got to seek that out. Allow God's word to speak to us. 
to find the right paths because we're seeking God's word out. And then the second one is equally simple. We need to talk to God about it. It's called prayer. You know, it seems like when, whenever in a small group, maybe especially with some kids, you ask them, well, what should we do? And they say, read the Bible and pray. Well, you know what? That's what I'm giving you today, okay? Because I think those are the right answers. And we could try to make it more complicated, but honestly, I don't think it is. We've got to ask God to show us. And sometimes God shows us in surprising ways. Sometimes he, he shows us by leading us back to Scripture and putting the right passages of Scripture in our path. You know, maybe it's a devotional book we read and man, something speaks to us in a surprising way and it's like, how did, how did that land on this day? Because it, it just is exactly what I needed to hear. Are you involved in some kind of Bible study or devotional time with other Christians? And it's like, how did they know? They may not have known. Know who's in control. God's in control. And He uses us to help each other. If you want to know God's will, listen. If you want to know God's will, Look at the way God is leading you. What doors are open? What doors are closing? What people is He putting in your path? And those are great ways to find out what God's will is. God, I can't think of a single time God has spoken to me and said, James, this is what you've got to do. But He's led. And when I've allowed God to lead, those have been the best decisions I've made. Because God's path, God's plan is always better than mine. And when I acknowledge who is in control, things are going to be so much better for me and my family and the people that I work with and the people that I minister with. God's plan is the best plan for you too. Seek it out. You know, you've got some stuff that you want to accomplish in life. And I think that's good. I think we should have goals and plans and we ought to have preparation to meet those goals and plans. But you know, through the whole path, what we need to be doing is taking those goals and plans and submitting them to the God who is in control of our lives and our eternity, the people we love, the work we do, the ministry we share, the church we serve, all those things. Know who's in control. Let's pray to him now. God, sometimes we think we're in control. God, we pray that we'll be the kind of people who instead of wanting to control everything, want to submit to you in everything. God, help us to do that. Help us to be those people. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the first act of submission is to say, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ because I know His plan for my life and for my eternity is the best plan. And if you're ready to make that decision, to put faith in Jesus, to repent of your sins and to be baptized into Him, 
Love to talk with you about that. Let us know. Come forward as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.